0: Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Jamie, and um, we're going to read the scripture together. So if you would please stand with me. We're going to be reading out of Romans 1. So Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be His holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of His Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last by God's will, The way may be open for for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome." For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jews, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith.
1: Would you bow your head with me as we pray? Lord, our prayer this morning is, is a simple one, and yet it is profound, Lord, that we might understand the gospel, the good news, with your eyes, with your heart, with your understanding, that we might know who you are, Lord, and what you have done for us, and that it is good news. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people. Shouted, Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are starting today, it's kind of like the the beginning of a long trip that you're excited for, I know I am excited for, we are beginning a series in the book of Romans, this book that is profound, this book that is written by one of the Einsteins of our faith, a very wise man, Paul, wrote this book, and we get to look at it, it's 16 chapters long, takes about an hour to read, and this is probably not a 101 class as far as college classes are concerned this isn't a 101 book, this isn't a 201, a 301. This is probably a 400 level class. This is a 400 level book of the Bible that we are reading and we are engaged in. And yet, There's no big words. If we take it one step at a time, we will see for us what the Lord has to say. We will look at the mysteries of the Lord and the faith that is in us and our faith upon God. So I'm excited about this series. I've been telling our leadership team that it has been coming and it's with great excitement that it is finally here. This series will take us probably into Advent around Christmas time. So get ready buckle your seatbelts, let's first talk about Rome. So this letter is written from Paul the apostle to the people living in Rome. That's why it's called Romans, Romans, obviously. Paul would have seen uh, some of the emperors. This is the iconic age of Rome, Caesar Augustus. He's a pretty big deal in world history. You know you're a pretty big deal in world history if you get like a road named after you or a building named after you. Augustus Caesar gets a Month. This month is named after him. So of all 12 months, he's a pretty big deal in world history. Uh, Paul would have seen him in his lifetime. Tiberius, Caligula, Claudius, Nero. The military dominance of Rome at this time is huge. And Paul knows he is going to go to the city of Rome. It's like his north on his compass of missionary journeys. He knows he's going to head there in the book of Acts. He keeps talking about how I want to go to Rome, how he's going to end up in Rome. He does end up there. He spends two years in in the city of Rome and then the book of uh, Acts abruptly ends. We're not really sure exactly what happens, but most Christians, most scholars are are convinced that he died there in Rome, probably under Nero, probably in uh, the Colosseum or uh, under gladiators or fighting uh, a beast. He died a martyr in some horrible way, but that was his north. He wanted to go to Rome and he writes in the book of Romans, Jamie just read for it, read it for us, that some door has opened and he is finally going to get to go to Rome. And so he writes this letter before he goes there from Corinth in maybe 54 AD. And he's excited about going there. And he writes to these people living in Rome and he writes to them mainly about the gospel, which we will get to in just a few minutes. But has anybody ever been to the city of Rome? couple people. Um, I I got to go there uh, a couple times now. My dad, who's standing in the back with a little baby, he was stationed in... we were stationed in Ramstein, and it seemed like in the summer, every uh, other week, my parents would take these trips. We'd get in the car, and we would go to France or to the Alps. It was just wonderful. But me, as a high schooler at the time, I was like, I think I'm just going to stay home and play video games. I was so stupid, like, get out. I could have gone on some more trips. I went on some, and we went to Rome, and it was wonderful. We saw all the sights. In fact, you get overwhelmed seeing all the sites. I think it was this trip that we went on that uh, I was like the tour guide and so I was reading off like what it was and instead of I was just, there's just just so many things right after another that I would just say, this is number 12, on your left you'll see number 14 and then on the right we'll pass by number 15 going through this. There's just so many things in all this history in one place. We passed by the Circus Maximus. This is the second largest uh, stadium, the second largest gathering place ever made by humans that we know of. And it was to to race chariots and reenact these wars where people would actually die. Rome was a pretty gruesome, violent place. Uh, Maybe some of you are familiar with the Colosseum and you'd go there and you would watch literally people kill each other for your entertainment or wild animals attack Christians or martyrs or uh, people who had had done some sort of treason right before your very eyes. A pretty violent, horrible city uh, that that celebrates violence and Christians were marginalized. At this point in the world, uh, it was not the popular thought in Rome Christians were the, the lower class, they were the outsiders, they were the ones committing treason against the Roman Empire by by not uh, burning incense to the emperors. And some people have, Christians today, historians have said, well, maybe there's some of that going on today, not the violence, but there is, Christianity is marginalized today in America. It's not the popular thought we are often made fun of for our beliefs. And it people don't really understand what the, good news is. But that is the topic for today, the gospel. So point two, if you're following along, I want to talk about the gospel because that's what Paul talks about. In the book of Romans, he mentions the gospel the Greek word epigelion, which means good news. He mentions it 11 times in this 16 chapter book, which is more times than any other book of the Bible. Paul begins right from the gates talking about the gospel. If you look at Romans 1.1, he introduces himself. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the Gospel of God and then he goes on to talk about the Gospel he promised the Gospel God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his Son so what is the Gospel the epigelion the good news? Have you ever gotten to give some good news? Have you ever been given some good news? I'm sure you have. I think about through my life and 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 hearing good news and getting to, getting to give good news. I think about when I asked my wife to marry me. I said, will you marry me? She said, yes. And then we had good news to share. This is, uh, at least in my mind, it was before Facebook. It was before I was on it, at least. So we didn't do a Facebook update. Instead, we texted and we actually phone-called people People to tell them the good news. And it was before, I think it was before even mass texting, our group texting. So we were texting individual people saying, Guess what? Good news we're going to get married. Or I can think, fast forward a couple years from that, I think about having our first son and and Erica's pregnant and we have, uh, he's downstairs right now, his name is Jay and he's six years old now. But hearing that news that Erica is pregnant and getting to share that news with Erica's parents and my parents and saying, guess what guys, you're going to be grandparents. And there was tears of joy. I still have this wonderful, just memory in my own mind of getting to share this truly, good news that we are pregnant. We're going to have a kid running around. And I think about the uh, things in my life where good news was shared with me or I got to share good news. And the gospel, the word means good news. But people oftentimes, in Paul's time and in our time, they often don't see it as good news. I think there's a false representation of what the good news is. I listed some of these and my own mind came up that sometimes people just think, that these so this would be false good news things that, that that aren't the good news but people think oh this is what christians believe they believe that god is just mad at us he's horribly mad and if only we would do some sort of a superstitious superstitious religious ritual then then he would be happy with us that that's somehow the good news that's not the good news people have a false representation that this world the creation of god is just evil, and God made it to be evil, and God is torturing us here in this world, and the only hope we have is to be plucked out of this world. Our only hope is the afterlife, and that's wrong because, well, God made this creation to be good and he made this creation to be restored and that's part of the good news that all of creation will be restored another false good news is that if you're just good enough then you will be saved another false good news is that Jesus is just some sort of fire insurance policy like make sure at some point in your life you believe in Jesus because m- maybe one day you'll die which which we'll all die but it, maybe one day when you die uh, if you believed in Jesus then he will be your fire insurance for the afterlife. That's a false good news. Another final false good news is that Christianity, often people just see it as, oh, this is just good advice on how to live. These are just a set of rules. These are just a set of advice that, that Christians like to give. And that's, that would be a false good news. That, that doesn't represent some wonderful news that Paul takes a whole letter to share about. The good news has to do with Grace. The Greek word, does anybody know it? Charis. Charis, yeah, it means a gift. Good news, it's a gift. The good news is that you get a gift that the recipient or the recipient's worth does not equate to. It's like um, Christmas time. Anybody go to those um, white elephant parties? You show up with something ridiculous. Uh, I remember showing up in college with this uh, frame that somebody was throwing out. I was like, oh, sweet. That'll make a good white elephant gift. And I got this frame and it's horribly ugly. And I show up at this white elephant gift and you uh, wrap this present up and you put it on the table. Then, uh, at least for ours, like, they had all these rules of like how presents were open and you could trade gifts. It was like this long list of rules, it got very confusing, but uh, we start opening up gifts, someone opens mine, they're like, great, a frame, who cares, let's get over with this game, and then someone opened up a tie, like this ugly little Christmas tie, and one of the kids, so this was our Sunday school teacher, it was like a church party, Uh, and and so this tie, someone opens this ugly little Christmas tie, and the kid of the, the, the mom that gave this, she was our Sunday school teacher, was really excited to get it, like, I want that tie, it's like, that's weird, so I was like, well, I want that that tie just because he wants that tie. And then because I wanted it and somebody else wanted it, then like everybody was like, we got to get this tie. It was this ugly, nasty little tie. And, and I thought like, I'm going to get this tie and I'm going to wear it next Sunday and I'm going to show it off and just, just to stick it to him." But, but so finally it gets traded and there was all these rules, there's dumb rules and everybody left mad at each other. It was weird. Um, so like it could only get traded three times. And so I traded something else in hopes that they would want that. And then I was given a chance to trade one more time and so I got the tie at the end of the game and it was like sweet I got this tie and I'm making fun of it and putting it on and the teacher said Joe look inside the tie and I was like I didn't know you could so I opened up this tie and there's like a little slot in there and I pulled out a hundred dollar bill it's like that's awesome and as a college student so I could have just won the the lottery or something it's like a hundred dollars look at this hundred dollar bill and then I was like oh that's why the kid the kid knew that there was a hundred dollar bill in it and I was like wow this is so cool the the recipient Did not deserve the grace, this gift of $100. All I had brought, all we were supposed to bring, was some piece of junk to trade in the white elephant gift. But it is this, the grace is a gift that does not match the worth or the value that the recipient brought. Martin Luther, the the great reformist of the the 1500s, looked at the Middle Ages and the the Christian faith of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, and he looked around and saw a lot of people... um, under a, uh, uh, like this mindset that they have to work for salvation. There's all these people working for salvation and Martin Luther reads the book of Romans and there's a very famous passage in verse 17 that Jamie read for us that says that the righteous will live by faith. And Martin Luther, this kind of becomes an anthem for the Reformation. And he takes this phrase, the righteous will live by faith. And he says, look, people are made righteous by this gift of God, by the good news, this gospel. They're made righteous and then they will live by faith. It's not the other way around. You don't have to live and work for your salvation and earn your salvation. It's instead a gift of God given to you because we have all sinned and fallen short, as another famous verse says. That we repent and believe and then we receive this good news. If we know this good news that Jesus has died for us, then that's the good news. And there, if there's good news, then there's probably bad news. The bad news is that we in our world, this, this really isn't good um, news at all, that, that sin Has degraded the world, but Christ can set it all right. That sin has has made a mess of things, but by the power of the resurrection, the good news is that Christ can make it all right. So Paul says this phrase He says that he is not ashamed of the gospel. And he goes on to say this, he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This is truly the heart of this chapter. It's the big push in this chapter. He's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. What good news. Salvation for everyone who believes. And that's why he's not ashamed of it. Certainly in his day and our day, uh, there's things to be ashamed about. And certainly Christianity has these lowly beginnings as a religion. Jesus, we declare and hope and proclaim that he was fully God. And yet he lived his life, claimed to be God, and then was killed for that like a common prisoner. He hung on a cross next to a common thief. And so people could look at that, especially in the Roman time, knowing that Jesus was just another criminal punished and say, well, isn't that a religion to be shamed of? That's not a religion of the power. That's not a religion of the emperors, and yet the good news is that it can all be made right, and Jesus truly is God from God, and he is the king of the world, and Paul says he's not ashamed of that. So if there's good news, there's probably also bad news. We've touched on that already. If someone comes up to you and says, hey, I got good news and bad news, what do you want first? What do you say? I always say the bad news. Well, give me the bad news first. Let me see what we're dealing with here. And then you can tell me the good news. And hopefully that'll somehow overcome the bad news. Well, in this case, it's maybe similar to that. The bad news is that sin has degraded the world. Sin has degraded us. Augustine says it this way, a famous scholar of the 400s in Christianity. He said, when we sin, we sin against our own nature, that sin degrades us. It's just how it works. We, we go against God and as we go against God, it's going against ourselves and it, the weight of it ruins us. But the good news is that Christ comes and He saves us from that. Does anyone like uh, the Lord of the Rings? Any Lord of the Rings peoples? Okay, a couple people. Good. So I, when the movies came out, I, I told people that I was a fan, and then I was quickly corrected because, like, the true fans were like learning the elfish language that Tolkien made up and and learn as the Middle Earth language. Some of you might know this. And so I quickly said, "Well, I'm not. A, I'm not a true fan. I just kind of like the movies." And even while I was watching the movies, I was like, "Man." these are kind of long It's like are you kidding me those aren't even the extended versions is what some of the the true fans would say but so I say that I say that I'm a fan knowing that there's 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 levels of of fandom out there of the Lord of the Rings but anyways I'm a fan um Tolkien was a Christian and he, lots of what he wrote about was, uh, analogies to the Christian life. He writes about this character whom you probably all know, who you could probably all do the voice for on some varying degrees of success, but there's uh, a character named Schmeagel, right? And it's Schmeagel and he's a hobbit. Technically he was a hobbit like any other hobbit hanging out in the, where do they hang out? The Shire, then the Shire, hang out in the shire and they do their hobbit stuff. And then he, some of you probably know the full story. How does he find the ring? He gets the ring, steals. He gets the ring somehow and it takes over his life. He gets the ring. It's the one ring to rule them all thing. Okay, good. I'm looking at you for help here. So he gets the ring. And when you put on the ring, you experience the power of all the the world or something. And you go invisible and you're overcome. This little little guy, Smeagol, is overcome with this power of the ring. And Tolkien writes about this as someone, here's the description of what Tolkien says. Uh, Gollum was this character torn by his lust for the ring and his desire to be free of it. And so he becomes, he's degraded into this. Person that we see in the movies or you read about in the books that is this nasty creature that that like can't even breathe very well so his name gets changed to Gollum, Gollum. this like this throat sounding noise of a name instead of Sméagol and he refers to the ring as his precious, which I'm sure you all, that that voice in your head is all, uh, his little voice is in your head now. But that's, Tolkien wrote about that, the the degradation, the the degrading of the, the human soul from the effects of sin. I imagine Tolkien, he, he wrote this in a time where heroin was the, the drug of choice in England. Uh, today, it's, I'm sure the, the, the effects of heroin or meth or other drugs, you can see that in someone's life when someone is, is, is completely addicted to something and you see their very body and their soul and their mind going down and down and down because of the effects of sin. Let me read this passage. This is in Romans 1. It's just beyond where we stopped our reading, but it is this picture of the degrading nature of the human nature when sin is involved. So it's Romans 1, uh, starting in verse 21, and it says this, for although they knew God, so he's talking about just the world and people and the way things are, for they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their, but their thinking became futile and foolish, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So he's saying these people, that's humans, all, all of us, like the human nature is such that it is like this, that we don't worship God. Instead, we worship the things God creates and we make images of those things and how horrible that is. Therefore, God gave them over. To their sinful desires is what it says in verse 24. Of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth. Listen to this. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. And the creator who is forever praised, amen. So think about that, consider that. That is just the way things are. That's in all of us as humans, that there's something inside of us to to not worship the creator, but to worship the things that the creator has made and be degraded by those things. It says they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. I think about just this last week, the last seven or eight days uh, in our country, the, the, the racism and the media and the reports of terrorism in Spain and the fear. And death and hatred, this is the poisonous fruit that our society is eating again and again. And it's just a reflection of like, yeah, this world that we live in has become degraded by sin. We see in the Bible uh, an image that, that God made things good and his creation was good. Sin came and destroyed and the effects of sin are all around us. But good news, Christ is returning His kingdom is coming and and the good news is going forth. Our own lives, our lives as a congregation can be changed and we can be different knowing the gospel, the good news. Let me conclude with this. It's a quote uh, that that, that some of us at at New Life, uh, all the different campuses, we're all preaching the same text in Romans and, and one of the other pastors said it this way and I just loved the way he worded it. He said this, in a time when we are less comfortable than ever, preaching on the reality of sin. It should come as no surprise that we find human life also more degraded than ever. God is the only way human life goes right. So the gospel is this gift that does not match the worth of the recipient. What the recipient has done doesn't match this gift. That is the good news, that Christ can forgive us, Christ can set us right, Christ can set us free. Paul is not ashamed of the gospel because it has set him free and right. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you quiet your heart with me? Lord, as we pray to you, and and think about the good news how the the good news is this that your grace and your mercy set us free from ourselves lord you set us free from the degrading human nature that we are all a part of because of this world because of the things that we have decided to do with our lives and so lord we we repent to you we say, Lord, we're sorry, and and would you come in and make all things right? We can't fix uh, the mess in this world. We can't even uh, fix the mess that, that it is in our lives. But, Lord, you can. You make us holy and pure and good, and you take away all of our sin. You take away every evil thought in our mind. You take it away, Lord, and that is truly good news. Lord, our hope is that you are going to make it all right. We can't just ignore this sin problem. We can't ignore the effects of sin. But Lord, when we think about it and and, and we're just indoctrinated by the bad news of this world and the things going on, Lord, we ask you to come and to save us and to save this world. May your kingdom come and may your will be done. Lord, we repent to you and we believe. We honor you and Lord, we lift your name high. You are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. and We praise your name to your glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say together this, this prayer that we say every week in preparation for communion. If you would say it out loud with me um, as we pray it together. And don't just say it. These are words of a prayer. These are words of confession that we say before God together. It says, Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought and word and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.